Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Syndicate, a film and TV podcast. From our screens to your watch list, we gather to share and discuss your next favorite. Join us as we want you to spend less time scrolling and more time watching. And now, here's your host, Armand Haddad. Hello and welcome to Syndicate, where we want you to spend less time scrolling and more time watching. I'm your host, Armand Haddad, and welcome to episode 8. This season, we are exploring the hidden gems of films or films you probably passed over watching. Joining me in the studio today is Todd. Todd, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you, Armand? I'm good. Thank you for asking. Currently, Todd is a podcaster here in the Chicago area. You probably know Todd from his podcast, WSTR, Galactic Public Access. So, Todd, tell our listeners a little bit about um, WSTR. Sure. So, you are one of the founding members, my friend. So, uh, yes, Martin and I yes. go way back. <laughs> and uh, the pitch is NPR for Star Wars, right? So, uh, we kind of do all <laughs> kinds of different stuff. But, you know, we try to mix it up between topical, what's happening on currently in the Star Wars universe. We do a lot of character analysis and then interview different podcasters and, you know, get their perspectives on different things. But we try to keep it pretty fluid. And uh, of course, uh, one podcast is not enough. And I just started another podcast with my son, Trent, and that's called Big T and Little T. So (laughs) we just started that uh, when Mandalorian came out. So our episodes are like 20 minutes long. So it's been a lot of fun doing that with Trent and kind of exploring Star Wars. And uh, your podcast with your son, that sounds super interesting and Kind of adorable at yeah. the same time. <laughs> it's the, the best part, it's one cut. So whatever he says, it's happening. I'm not doing a lot of editing on it. It's just one take. So if he has to go to the bathroom, we you know, whatever. You know, like it's just a lot of fun. But you know, I think I think the beauty about Star Wars, there's a lot of teaching moments in it. And so as a as a father trying to work through uh, Star Wars with him, it's a lot of good things to kind of talk about. And so it gets a little deep in a sense, but like, again, it's his perspective. And so um, it's very interesting. You know, I really enjoy it. He enjoys it too. So I like Star Wars, but I also like talking movies and I'm very excited about the movie we're going to be talking about tonight. Nice. Yeah. Everyone check out WSTR Galactic Public Access and also Big T, Little T, where podcasts are available. (laughs) That's right. That's right. That's right. So today we are going to discuss the themes of duality and hiding in plain sight. For this 
episode's film recommendation is Christopher Nolan's 2006 film, The Prestige. And before we really get into like the plot and like your 60 second elevator pitch, what were your first like initial reactions to The Prestige? I thought I saw this movie. And then when I started watching the movie, I didn't see this movie. So, so my initial thoughts were, again, Nolan is one of my favorite kind of current directors. And his style is very unique. And he loves writing with his brother because I believe this was co-written with his brother as well. And uh, yeah, you can yeah. just you can just tell that he likes those kind of deep plots that are not this kind of popcorn movie stuff, which is kind of refreshing. My initial thoughts were... I was very engaged. I thought it was well acted and the performances were really well done. I enjoyed the time period as well as the plot. So I I think it it just kept me hooked the whole time through. Yeah, for me, like it was a recent discovery too, because like I thought I saw this movie, but funny enough, like because I've heard of The Illusionist. I was going to say, is that the Ed Norton one? Because I think these came out like... You know how cinema is. It's like, oh, okay, we're going to have a disaster movie. Here's Twister. <laughs> and then another, you know, and then like, oh, yeah. now we have to have earthquakes and we have to have the end of time. And it's like all these like themes. And I think these literally, these two magician movies came out right around the same time, which I find kind of interesting as well. Yeah, it's funny because like you have two dueling magician movies. And then in the movie that we're about to talk about, yeah. we have two dueling magicians so it's like (laughs) it's like life is imitating art and art is imitating life it's really hilarious Mm -hmm. but yeah like this was a recent find for me too like i heard of christopher nolan for you know his batman movies interstellar inception but like prestige like went under the radar for some reason and i just don't understand because it's such a great film oh my gosh it's so good yes so before we get into the plot uh a thing we like to do at syndicate is called the 60-second elevator pitch. So we've all been in that situation where you're trying to sell a friend on a movie, but you don't have a lot of time to do it. So I need you to summarize the plot of The Prestige, avoiding major spoilers, in 60 seconds. Are you ready? Oh my gosh, I don't know if I can handle this pressure. (laughs) Okay, let's start in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1... Go. Okay. So you know Nolan, who Christopher Nolan has directed Batman and the whole Batman trilogy. And you need to check out this old movie because it is cool because it has Wolverine and Batman against each other, but they're magicians. And so <laughs> you need to watch it and it's very engaging. So if you like magic or you like the the, the secrets behind magic, and uh, you can definitely get hooked into this lore and it has this kind of very nice tone with it as far as like how the two are battling more on a practical level than fist level and i think that's what is very intriguing about this movie so you should check it out that was like probably 30 seconds (laughs) (laughs) that was like i guess 46 but no you did it you pretty much gave the feel of the movie to someone that has no idea what this movie would be about it's like hey you have wolverine you (laughs) got batman alfred's there too so you have you have wolverine alfred and batman right and they're kind of and oh wait and black widow i totally forgot about black widow (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's it's see it's kind of hard to like do it in 60 seconds it is, but... it is. uh even though you told me about that i, I was not prepared <laughs> <laughs> yeah easier uh said than done 
But yeah, like you said, like it has a star-studded cast. Mm-hmm. You have Christian Bale playing Alfred Borden. It's funny that his character's name is Alfred, considering he plays Batman. Yeah. <laughs> his butler is name. Alfred. Right, yeah. Hugh Jackman plays Robert Angier. Mm-hmm. And then you have Michael Caine playing uh, John Cutter. Yep. Scarlett Johansson playing Olivia. And then even David Bowie. <laughs> Is that David Bowie? That was David Bowie. Yeah, he plays Nikola Tesla. I, I was thinking that was Pierce Bronson for some reason. But now that Pierce you Bronson? say it. Yeah. <laughs> Not Pierce Bronson. Um, no. Um, gosh. James Bond. James Bond guy. Yeah. Yeah, Pierce Brosnan. Brosnan, not Bronson. <laughs> That's a totally different movie. That's Charles Bronson, weird Charles brother. Charles Bronson, yeah, like <laughs> twin brother or something. <laughs> okay, so. And then, of course, Andy Serkis, yes. who plays David Bowie's right-hand man. It's like his Igor. Oh, yeah. And then we know Andy Serkis by playing Gollum, and then uh-huh. in the Star Wars universe, he plays the supreme leader of the First Order in the new movies, Snoke. Snoke! And then once again, reinforcing the thought, this is a hidden gem. Yeah. Like, it has like an all-star cast, and yet... I, Nobody yeah. really knows about this film. Right. So the setting takes place in London, turn of the century, 1890s. Great. Have... This is such a great period of time, right? Like I also was kind of reminded of Sweeney Todd. Yeah. I just love that period because it's kind of cool seeing, you know, obviously you mentioned Tesla there. I think that's and in, you know, in, uh, Thomas Edison and, you know, like electricity. And you're like, you take that for granted. Oh, so. yeah. And then we're going to get into like Tesla's role in this film because like it's kind of weird that he is in the movie but yeah i love the aesthetic of you know that turn of the century like it's like almost modern day but it's not quite there it's like in between time of like innovation and industrialization yeah exactly and the wardrobe is kind of cool you know what they're wearing and that kind of big top bill hats and you know like the very gentlemanly you know kind of sherlock <laughs> holmes kind of feel to it as well you know so i just love i love that period and in, in, with london oh yeah kind of makes you wish like people still dress like that oh yeah absolutely i would love to you know wear a cane or like have a cane and a little top hat and good day and tip the hat you know <laughs> i think it would be called something else if you wore clothes like that now but <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh okay <laughs> <laughs> oh that's your style okay yes nice <laughs> So the film opens up with Robert Angier mm-hmm. and Alfred Borden, yes. known throughout the film as Angier and Borden, like their last names. Oh, so they're working right. for this uh, stage magician and John Cutter, who's played by Michael Caine. Mm-hmm. He is like kind of like the stage engineer. He's like the producer, if you will. Yeah. He's like, okay, yeah. you're going to do this, do that. And he's kind of like overseeing everything. And so they have a very dangerous illusion that they're trying to do. Would you like to explain what that exactly is? Yes. They have a lovely lady assistant, which you find out very quickly is, is that Angier's wife, correct? Yes. 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 So the magician that's on stage, you know, you got to get the audience involved, right? So he points to two gentlemen and they come up and that's where you find out, oh, they're kind of behind the scenes, right? Um, But they are pulling off a trick where the lovely lady, the assistant is tied and then bound, and then she is put into a tank. They cover it up, and she has to get out. You know, she has to escape. So illusion is that when they pull back the curtain, she's not in the tank, but she's, like, next to the tank, unbound and a little <laughs> wet. But okay, she's okay, right? So that's that's kind of the illusion they're pulling off. Yes. So very dangerous because she's being tied up and then submerged into the tank, yeah. and she only has a around, I guess, like a minute to really 
get out before John Cutter comes in with like an axe. Which is cool. I think they show, you know, a couple times they show him hitting his stopwatch at 60 seconds to get out of there. So Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's already a dangerous stunt. So Borden's character wants to push the envelope a little bit and he has his own ideas and he wants to... And I, I would say he thinks he's better than the magician that they're working for, which is this older gentleman, because he, the the magician insists on using a specific knot. Yes, right. And he said, like, no, I think this knot is would be better. And then Robert Angier thinks, like, you know, like, that's not a good idea. Like, we don't know how that knot's going to interact with the water. Maybe it's going to be difficult to unbound. And then yes. like a trapper into right. the tank. The other thing that we find out quickly is that they're kind of proteges, right? So Cutter's taking them under the belt and they're trying they're up and coming magicians. And that's why they're kind of almost like the stagehands. So they understand not only how the showmanship works, but then also the technique and everything like you you know, like you're explaining is that, you know, he wants to push it with a different knot, but Cutter's saying, Oh, the water could absorb it and it could be different and it's un it wouldn't work out. That's why we always go with this knot, you know? Right. You want you want to be safe, safe rather than right. sensational. <laughs> the reason why he wanted to do that knot is because when she's being hoisted up into the tank, Borden's afraid that the magician's knot that he's insisting wouldn't be able to hold her. She'll drop, hurt herself. So he's like, let's use this knot, a stronger knot. And then, like you said, we don't know how that knot's going to interact with the water. Maybe it's going to be like too much. We also have to say that Andrew's wife says, do it. She she wants to try it out. She wants to take the risk, you know, so. Right. She gives consent and she yeah. is willing to, to make that risk. Mm-hmm. So Borden, behind everyone's back, except for um, Andrew's wife, mm-hmm. he does the knot and she is submerged into the tank. What happens after that? So they, we see this trick twice, right? So the first time, no flawless, everything, everything's great. The second time, with the risky or not, obviously it does not go right. Cutter then takes the axe and tries to break out. There's panic. Then it gets her out of there, but she is dead by that point. It mm-hmm. just goes bad. Then they have kind of like a little funeral service, right? And they have this confrontation because he's still fixated on what not he used, right? And he basically says, I, I, don't, I don't remember. You know, and that's start of how these two don't like each other now because right. <laughs> yeah. it's kind of so, a big deal. Hey, you murdered my wife. Right. Angel's wife's death really drives the story forward. Like that's the, the moments where we really get the plot going. You know, it's like the obsession of Hugh Jackman's character to like really he's he's obsessed now. Like he, he wants to be better. And try to get revenge at the same time, you know, so. Yeah. So the magicians, after that catastrophic events, they both go their separate ways. And something to note before we follow these characters, I wanted to recite the opening lines of the film, which are spoken by Michael Caine's character, John Cutter. So he, in the beginning of the movie, explains how a magic trick works. There's three parts to a magic trick. So he says it like this. Every magic trick consists of three parts. The first part is called the pledge. The magician shows you something ordinary. The second part is called the turn. The magician takes the ordinary something and turns it into something extraordinary. But you wouldn't slap yet, because making something disappear isn't enough. You have to bring it back. And that's why every magic trick has a third and most important and hardest part, and that's called the prestige. Mm. So... 
the prestige is like the whole points of the magic trick. It's like, yeah, you can make something disappear, but you got to bring it back. Mm -hmm. And then it's all about the showmanship with it. Right. Those lines will reverberate throughout the entire film. And like, that's kind of like the foundation of the film's premise. And the title of the movie, right? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And the film, like almost, you know, like most films do have a three act thing and it, and it kind of follows the same thing, right? Not only what Cutter's saying, but it kind of, the plot almost follows that, that same kind of three act premise too. Exactly. Christopher Nolan comparing the three acts of a magic trick. Yeah. I think that's an allegory for filmmaking in general because yeah. like you got the pledge, the turn, and the prestige. Yeah. And then in filmmaking or storytelling, you have the premise, yep. the conflict, right. and then the resolution. resolution. Right, exactly, yeah. Is he saying like our directors, like the modern day magicians, because like they're telling a story, they're captivating their audience, and then they're wowing the audience mm. with like, you know, the revelations at the end of the film or like the conflicts and... Like you're taking something ordinary, like someone's everyday life. Right. And then the turn, which is conflict. Yeah. And then you bring it back with the resolution. So it's interesting. I feel like he's setting up the audience, but also explaining magic, you know? So yeah. it's a it's a it's a cool two way I, I think it definitely goes both ways. Like he's literally explaining the basic premise of magic to everybody but also foreshadowing the plot. I would say he doesn't spell things out for the audience. Like he allows, he drives a story, he paints it how he wants to paint it. And then at the end of the film, you're like, oh, now I see what he was doing. (laughs) Like it's not very like heavy handed. It's like, if you notice, you notice. And if you don't, you don't. I feel like sometimes like the the director or cinematographer is like, will point directly at something like, ooh, look at the, you know, like, look right here with the, almost like the imaginary <laughs> red arrow, right? And yeah. I, I I feel like Nolan definitely takes more of an atmosphere approach where he's just, you're like in it, right? And you're like a bystander, but it's not so focused and heavy driven where it's like, you got to look at this thing right here, you know, um, which I find very refreshing. It's smart. It's <laughs> It's smart, yeah. It doesn't dumb it down for the audience. (laughs) Right. Well, I don't want to constantly refer to Batman, but I think that's why Batman in those movies, he, he definitely is atmospheric. He's painting the Mm -hmm. whole, you know, what's going on in Gotham and everything and how these characters interact. And it's like, he's doing the same thing here. It's very, he's letting us know what London looks like and what, what everybody's doing. And it's not just about these two magicians. It's Mm -hmm. a little bit more. Christopher Nolan is like, the master of like building a vibe mm. for everything. Mm. Cause like he does it perfectly in the dark Knight trilogy where yeah. you feel like you're immersed in Gotham city. Right. And like, he does the same thing with the prestige where you feel immersed in this I, world. Like you forget that you're watching a movie. Yeah. It feels like you're with these characters. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I know we're going to get it to later, but I mean, when he goes to Colorado Springs too, it's like, Oh man, this is awesome. <laughs> yes. So back to the story. Angier and Borden go their separate ways yep. over the death of Angier's wife, the magician's assistant. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's very interesting the way Christopher Nolan paints these two characters because, like, they're doing the same things, but they're two very different people. Like, you have Angier, who's played by Hugh Jackman, mm-hmm. and he's more of an upper-class person. Like, ah. he's more privileged. Mm. So he has, like, this air of, like, elitism to him. 
And then you have Borden, who is more working class and more like Love, the almost like a street performer, right? He's always struggling to get to that next level, you know? Yes. So Angier and Borden kind of like have this feud with each other, like it was alluded before, over the death of his wife. And he keeps on asking him, did you tie that knot? And it's up to the audience to determine, like, is he lying? Like, does he not remember the knot he tied? Or is he trying to cover for himself and lying to Angier? Like, the duality between these two men. It's almost like opposite ends of the spectrum. Right. You have somebody really working to get to the next level. And you have somebody that is that higher upperclassman, but struggling with the reality that his life was perfect, and now this man ruined it. And that's that's the real struggle, right? Like, he... He had this whole perfect wife, the perfect act, the perfect name, like everything was laid out. And now that is taken away from him. And so mm-hmm. that's where Cutter's like, okay, well, we got to get you a new assistant. And, you know, like that starts another part of his life. He's always looking what Borden's doing, which I find interesting, like kind of like in high school, right? You're always looking at somebody else, yep. you know, like, oh, I wonder what they're doing. Or, mm-hmm. you know, even nowadays with social media, it's like, oh, that person's having so much fun. I wish I was having that. <laughs> you know, like you have that kind yeah. of, oh, these people are so much better than me. You know, like, and you're always constantly looking at them. And it's like, mm-hmm. dude, if you just live your life and you figure out your own thing, you're going to be fine. And that's all going to fall in place. But he is right. so hellbent on because of, Obviously, this alleged murder, and you can never get over that. Right. And what makes it worse is Borden has a family. Like, he has a wife, and he has a kid. Like, he has, like, a pretty stable home life. And Angier is completely jealous of that because, like, he feels like Borden robbed that from him because he had a wife, he had the home life, and then that's completely uprooted because of a a trick that went wrong. Correct. So he wants to get back Borden. so, yeah, there's one part where he kind of, like, follows him, you know, in the streets. Yep. Mm-hmm. And he sees that happiness that he has. I think it also drives him to be even more bitter because, like you just said, it robbed him of that. And now he's like, wait, he's got a wife and a kid. He can't be happy, but he is. It drives him even more to that kind of point of madness where he's completely obsessed with him. Right. And that takes us in the film to the point of no return. Angier, in disguise, goes to one of Borden's performances, and it's completely not going well. Like, Borden is not that great of a magician. Well, he is, but he doesn't have the stage presence. He's not refined. Yeah, like, Angier is, like, the greatest showman, who's also played by Hugh Jackman. (laughs) (laughs) Coincidentally. (laughs) Like, in my own headcanon, like, this is, like, a prequel to, like, the greatest showman. (laughs) I, I I can roll with that. I can roll with that. So... He's like the performance guy. Like he has great charisma. Like he knows how to command an audience. Dude, this is like if you want to take music, this is like the arena band that has mm-hmm. like horrible music, but they can fill the stage, right? Like Nickelback or something, right? <laughs> but then uh-huh, you got yeah. this person that can rock, but he's in some dive bar. But the trick he's trying to perform, and we see this a couple times, is like it's a fake bullet thing. Like it's a loaded gun. Mm-hmm. Yes. So it's a blank like it's not a real bullet it's just like gunpowder in the gun Mm -hmm. and then he has the bullet in his hand and he's simulating like he's catching the bullet Mm -hmm. but cutter warns against that because he's like you you know you never know what someone's gonna put in the gun like maybe like one of the audience members has like a coin or a rock that they could put in the the pistol and then shoot it at you and Mm -hmm. then you die like do you want to make that risk 
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And then Borden's like, yes, I do. Like, I always wanted to push the envelope. So he does that trick when he's doing his performance because he's losing the audience. Like he doesn't have like the charisma and he's losing the audience. So he's like, you know what? I have one last trick up my sleeve and that's catching a bullet. Everyone enjoys that. Apparently everybody likes to get shot fakely, I guess. Hey, they didn't have TVs back then. So, you know, it's cheap entertainment. <laughs> do do as the Romans do, right? <laughs> exactly. So he picks an audience member like, okay, I'm going to choose you. You're going to shoot me. I'm going to catch the bullets. And Lo and behold, it's Angier in disguise. And then he asks him right before he fires the gun that he loaded a bullet into. He said, what knot did you tie, boy? <laughs> and then yeah. he said, I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. And then he gets shot. And then what happens? Tom? He loses two of his fingers. So as a tradesman, as a working man and a magician, you kind of need all your fingers. Yeah, he basically has to learn to do the magic tricks without the two fingers, and then he starts wearing gloves. There's a scene, too, where they show his hand, like, healing, and then the next scene, it's like, why is this still bleeding? You know, it should be healed by now. And so there's, you know, it doesn't look well. Like, he could lose more than just two fingers. Right. Thankfully, that did not kill him. And thankfully, his career did not end because of that injury. So Borden continues, you know, working his way up the ladder in the magician world. Mm -hmm. While Angier is still angry that one, his assassination attempt didn't kill him. (laughs) Right. And then two, he's, he's still working. So he's like, well, what the heck? Yeah. So Angier continues to spy on Borden. And then Borden, which is the whole premise of the movie. Yes. Borden develops a new illusion. Right. What is that illusion? It's Transporter Man. Right. So he has two doors, like almost two closets on stage. And the idea is that he bounces the ball, he goes into the door, and then he comes out the other side and grabs the ball. So, you know, kind of stage left, stage right. Boom, answers, bounce, boom, and then he comes out. And so Angier, in the audience, once again, in disguise, he's even more angrier. <laughs> right. So he sees this trick being done, and he's completely baffled by it. Mm-hmm. He consults his producer, Cutter, and he's like, how could he have done this? Like, Cutter is completely unimpressed. He's like, no, nah, that must have been a double. Like, there's, there's no way. Right. Like, it could be anything more than that. And then Angier, obsessed, is like, no, it has to be something else. Mm. He, like, I don't know what it is, but he's doing this impossible trick, and I don't know how he does it. Like, there's no way he can move that fast between the doors to yes. catch the ball. Right. So it's like, how is he achieving this? And, and Cutter insists it's got to be a double because Cutter is also a magician and engineers these tricks, right? And so he's like, a trap door, you know, you just can't move that fast considering it's 
a bouncing ball the whole again this is the second act that, that's unbelievable you know right and so angier is trying to incorporate or steal that trick yeah in the art world we will say adapt the trick but he's like straight up like stealing the trick well but th- i think that's the other cool thing about like again i don't know a lot about magic i'm not mm-hmm. a magician right but you do <laughs> that you do know that like obviously a magician there's like this other thing that's going on with the diaries is like this kind of code thing going on that they kind of show about right and no a, a magician is never going to reveal the trick and the only time he reveals the trick is either he sells it or he dies and, you know, somehow passes it on to whoever wants to pick it up. Or he has a protege, which basically, hey, you're going to, you know, Jedi pad one here. You know, I'm going to teach you the trick and you're going to take over. You know, he's right. like, there's got to be, you know, he's got to be writing this down. I got to know about it. I got to figure out I'm going to steal the diary. You know, I got to f- figure out what's going on. The stagehand, Black Widow, mm-hmm. Scarlett Johansson, um, Becomes kind of a love interest with Angier. Here's the part where, again, he has a second opportunity to kind of restart the life. He's got a pretty good act. He's killing it on stage. Got a nice looking assistant. And he wants her to spy on him. You know, and it's like, dude, come on. Yeah. He's doing whatever it takes to learn the secret. That kind of breaks her. You know, it's like... It's like, yeah, I thought we had something here. And then you're just using me to get one up on your arch enemy. Like, what the heck? And going back to the secretness of magicians, he wants her to tell the truth. And so right before this kind of happens is that he gets a, a double. Yes. Angier hires a double that looks pretty much like him. I mean, the teeth is a little bit wonky, but, you know, just don't have him smile. And so he develops this huge complex uh, illusion where, like he's using the double and then elevators to like propel the the double forward. Instead of using closet, he uses kind of like a flat door. Yeah, just a door frame. So the idea is that when he opens up the door, there's a trap door. He lands on the, the bag and then on the other side, uh, does he throw a ball or what does he throw? He throws his hat the, of because uh, Angier is wearing a top hat and he's like, I'm going to catch my top hat. And he throws it across the stage. And then the other double pops up the other side so then he catches it and the crowd loses their mind right (laughs) yes essentially he perfected quote the transported man or Mm. i think he put it like the better transported man it was something superlative and stupid it looked dude that's the other thing those advertisements you know like those old like banners and stuff those look great i mean it's just like (laughs) that old kind of like that carny circus kind of like the better transported man or whatever it said (laughs) fits very well in in the world building i'm just like oh yeah those are great oh yeah like once again like christopher nolan knows how to immerse the viewer so pretty much he perfected the transported man using the trick with the double, except it's not enough. Angier sends Olivia basically to spy on Borden. You're going to tell him the truth. I'm using a double. And that breaks her. She's like, whatever. So the reason why it's not enough for, for Angier is because like he starts the trick. He goes below the, the stage and then his double oh, right. you know, basks in the glory of yeah. the praise and the applause of the audience. He's kind of egotistical, isn't he, my friend? Yeah, like that's what makes him a great showman because like <laughs> He's so, like, into himself and, like, wants to command the stage. There's a great shot, too. He kind of, like, opens up his arms, you know, like, and feels the praise, but he's underneath the stage. And that's where he's like, I need that crowd, you know. 
Yeah, so he's now, one, he's envious of Borden, and now he's envious of his double. (laughs) So he's like, you know what? It's still not enough. I guess we should mention Borden upstages Angier by removing the mat underneath. So basically he breaks his leg, right? He breaks his leg. uh, Borden comes out and misses the cue, right, to go up the elevator of the the new transporting man and basically up upstages him on his own stage and say, hey, I, I have a better act right across the street, you know. It's a classic move. Mm-hmm. So now Angier is walking with a cane. You know, again, it just adds to his kind of misery of his life in a sense, you know. So Angier sends his assistant mm-hmm. to steal Borden's diary, Yep, the diary that he uses to, you know, write down all his tricks and all mm-hmm. that. So she manages to steal the diary, except it's cryptic languages. Cryptic, like only yeah. he can read it. Yeah. He doesn't have a cipher. There's no way for him to read it. So yeah, yeah it's like, <laughs> it's like you have the USB with all the stuff on it and you're like, I need the password to do it. I can't see it. these files are encrypted. It's kind of that old school, like can't hack the thing, you know? Yeah. So Scarlett Johansson's character steals the diary, gives it yep. to Angier. And then Angier doesn't have the cipher to decode the diary, and he's like, I can't I can't do it. Except there is one thing he decoded on it, and it simply said Tesla. So that takes Angier, like you mentioned earlier, with Colorado Springs. Yes. That takes Angier to America. Yeah, and I, I love this part. I, I just think it's cool. Again, Old Town West. I just love how also Angier's like, oh, you have electricity, you know? The whole town's powered by electricity, and you're like, you don't realize, you know, how privileged that is, you know. And so he's trying to get an audience with Tesla, who's kind of like that old kooky uncle on the on the hill, right? You know, so. Right, because Angier is convinced that Tesla is in cahoots with uh, Borden. And like Tesla developed some sort of something for Borden to achieve this transported man. Which makes no sense. Like, his resources are not as much as his and yet he feels like he's in mm-hmm. cahoots with this tesla guy and it's like in america this guy's you know it's just it just seems so bizarre to me right are you familiar with tesla a little bit i saw a tesla over christmas we went and saw a trans-siberian orchestra and they had a real tesla there dude and part of Whoa. the act it That's was fantastic cool. it was very metal very cool i was like <laughs> blown away there's like fire in this big ball with these huge electrical bolts coming out like wow this is amazing <laughs> that's pretty awesome so that's called a, a tesla coil yes thank so you. Yes. so a little bit of backstory between like a little subplot in the film tesla versus edison edison was very like direct current and while tesla was very alternating currents and now today we can have a mixture of both therefore acdc my friend yes and not the band. <laughs> so, yeah, so Tesla was kind of like the big arrival to Edison. Mm. Edison was the American a genius in all regards, yes. but he was like a businessman. Mm. And like, I would compare him to Trump, where oh, Edison, okay. Okay. like, he's like, I built the light bulb. I'm going to call it the Edison bulb. And this is <laughs> like, he wants to slap his name on everything. <laughs> right, right, yeah. While Nikola Tesla was just, he just wanted to create something. That's all he wanted to do. Definitely scientific too. You yes. get that from him. Like, and he even says it's not an exact science. Sometimes you have to experiment. You have to do all these experiments when we finally, you know, get to meet him. But it's totally two different 
realms, you know? Right. And the reason why Angier is so convinced that Tesla made something for Borden and, you know, achieved this transported man thing is because right before he meets Tesla mm-hmm. with uh, Andy Serkis's character, he takes him to a field full of light bulbs oh. all, all on the ground. And he said, just wait a minute. We do this experiment like every month or every week. Mm-hmm. And like every bulb in the field, which aren't connected to anything, light up. And so that actually happened in real life. Like Tesla created wireless energy where there's a famous photo of Mark Twain in uh-huh. Tesla's laboratory holding okay. a light bulb. Uh, and it's lit. Which is incredible. Like, that's I incredible. have no idea yeah. how he even achieved that. But that's <laughs> the, the caliber of genius yeah. that we're dealing with with Nikola yeah. Tesla. That's awesome. I didn't even know that. That's so cool. Yeah, like Tesla is like a rabbit hole of yeah. intrigue that you can jump yeah. into. Right. So Angier thinks that Tesla built a machine right. for Borden. So he's like, I'm going to give you money and I want you to create a machine for me to achieve this trick. Mm. So Tesla's like, you know, I didn't do anything at Borden, but let me see what I could do. And so after many months of development he creates a machine. And it's not really specified like how long he's there, but it's been a minute. It's been a hot minute. He's been there for a while. So it's like trial and error. Like Tesla's like trying to figure out like, why isn't my machine working? I'm trying to transport one item somewhere else and it's just not working. And then later in the film, it's revealed that his machine was working, but it wasn't transporting things. What was it doing? So, again, I don't remember Andy Strickens' character's name, but he takes his cat. And so they want to try it on a live thing because they, they use a top hat at the first initial experiment, Angier's top hat, and it just sat there. It didn't move. It didn't disappear. Yeah. So that upset Angier and, you know, uh, basically, you know, it was kind of revealed that, like, he's self-funding all of Tesla's work, in a sense, not just this project, but the whole thing, he feels like he's gypped, right? Mm-hmm. So they finally, you know, Tesla's like, we got to do it on a live subject, takes a cat, puts it there. Again, the cat does not disappear. So Andrew is once again upset, leave, about to leave the compound or whatever you want to call it, his estate, and he hears a cat. And so he kind of goes in the woods a little bit. We're still on the same estate, and he finds not only the cat... But then he finds a lot of top hats. Yes. They learn that the machine isn't teleporting or transporting items around. It's copying him. So Tesla warned Angier, like, you don't want anything to do with this machine. Angier, of course, ignores him. Of course. He incorporates that into the new transported man. Mm. And so instead of using a double, he clones himself. Right. And then he ends up on a different part of the stage. And you're like... How did he do that? Like, it's just so insane. <laughs> the lengths that Angier went yes. to one-up yeah. Borden, like, he goes across the world. Colorado Springs, which is not even, like, New York or East Coast, right? He's going. Like, he's in thinking, there. Yeah, he's, it took a minute to get there, right, yeah. And then he meets this mysterious scientist, like, create a machine for me that can teleport. And then instead of teleporting, it's a, it's a machine to clone things. <laughs> right. Right. Well, and before he leaves that that very night, the Edison goons show up at the hotel and mm-hmm. burn Tesla's estates. But then there's a gift by the hotel. Major D is like, hey, Tesla left you something. A nice little note. And he goes into a room and it's it's the machine. So now Borden is trying to figure this out. 
Yeah, and the reason why he's so interested in Angier's uh, new transported man is because like his prestige, his third act, because like it used to be like him throwing the hat, him coming out the door, copying what Borden did, but now it's like he goes into the middle of the stage into this box, and then there's a bright light, boom, disappears. Yeah, he disappears and then reappears across the entire theater right and that tesla coil is so amazing it's like it's like shocking him you know and it it looks ridiculously cool (laughs) i mean it does it just looks ridiculously cool and then he disappears which is like pretty awesome and then uh, obviously there's that kind of like hush in the crowd and that's the prestige part it's like (gasps) did he die did what happened and then he shows up at the balcony and you're like there's no way legit again it's that disbelief it's like there's no way that guy was able to get over there how did he do that yes and so borden's like thinking like is this magic is this real magic like how mm. is he achieving this trick yeah yeah and so he secretly goes underneath the stage one of angier's performances yep and he sees the truth behind the trick and what is that horrific truth well first of all there's blind stagehands which is interesting yeah, we don't understand why they're blind until this very moment. Right. But when he gets there, there's a, a tank similar to the tank we saw earlier in the film. And Angier's character is banging on the window like, help me, get me out, get me out. Yeah, the whole audience can hear this commotion happen too. Like he's like screaming like, somebody help this man. Something went wrong. Like he thinks the trick went wrong. Yes, correct. And it mirrors the first act of yes. the movie. Angier's wife plunging into the water tank and dying took the axe he's trying to get him out and didn't get him out in time so this is the revelation that angier is one cloning himself to (laughs) (laughs) to move across such great distances instantaneously and then what he's doing with the copy is he's or the original yeah really think about it he's killing him off so he's in a way enacting his final revenge to borden and now I can finally have my last word with you, which is I'm going to send you to jail because of my murder. <laughs> right, right. So even though Angier went through such great lengths to replicate the transported man, mm-hmm. still the Borden in jail and all his mm-hmm. things seized, like he still doesn't understand how Borden did it because like mm. he knew Tesla did not help him out. Like he's a working class guy. He doesn't have access to a whole bunch of money like yeah. how, how, did, how did he do it and so when's enough enough like how many people need to fall around you just for you to one up this guy obviously losing his wife he lost himself being grounded and now he's you know faking his death to frame the guy it's sadistic it's mm-hmm. it's, it's sadistic and continuing angier's like descent to madness mm. like so yeah. uh borden like after he's been charged with murder and on death's row, uh, Angier reappears. Not as Angier, but as Lord Caldlow. He looks right. like a lord because like he has like this evil goatee looking yeah. thing. Right, yeah. And so Borden's like, Are you you're kidding me? Like you're alive? Because like even Borden didn't understand how his transported man worked. So well, before that happens, now there's like a representative or a lawyer, I would guess it would be, you know, yeah. like he will help Borden out and Give me the secrets. Give me the codex. Give me the whole thing so I know everything about you. And that's what Lord Caldlow wants. You're like, oh, mm-hmm. okay. And again, there's a point, too, where Borden's assistant comes and basically says, 
that his daughter's going to the work, child labor, basically. Yeah, he, she's going to work in the factories or textile mills. Like and Now he's losing his daughter. So that was the last straw to basically say, okay, I need to sell my secrets. Right. And he sells them. The lawyer gets them. And he said, well, where's the prestige? Like, where's the prestige in all these tricks? Like, these tricks are useless without the third act. Right. And so Borden purposely omitted the third act in all his tricks so they wouldn't be replicated. Fantastic. So even in the end, like, Borden still had the upper hand. So there's there's a whole other element to this movie that we wanted to keep secrets that would, yeah. you know, there's a massive twist at the end, like, that we've been omitting this entire time. Like, we mostly focused on Angier's plight and Angier's story, but, like, with Borden, like, it's a whole other game. Like, it's it's such a great story. So given that, uh, before we close, yeah. the thing we like to do at Syndicate is the one reason why. What's your one reason you would recommend this movie to somebody? So the one word would be, you know, intriguing, or I would say engagement. Like, you're totally engaged, and it doesn't take long to get hooked into the world, you know, the characters, and the overall atmosphere of this movie. And I feel like it's very engaging. So I would say... That would be my one word. Like, if you want to watch The Prestige, you want to be engaged, this is the move for you. Oh, yeah. I definitely agree. Like, you need to sit down and really pay attention. Like, throughout the entire film, like, there's one line that is spoken multiple times, which is, are you watching carefully? Mm. Like, the entire movie in of itself is like a magic trick. That's the whole thing about this movie. Like, you're, you're constantly, your brain's constantly like, Okay, how are they doing it? Like, because again, Nolan's very good of showing you enough, but not he's not heavy-handed about it. He's not mm-hmm. letting you know everything right up front. Definitely. And then for me, the one reason I would recommend this movie to somebody is because like it's such a ride of a movie. Because like it's like okay, this is a movie about dueling magicians, and then halfway through the movie, it's like okay, like, are we seriously going? Is this the same movie? Like, (laughs) are we seriously going here? Is this, like, is this actually happening? Like, the cloning and Nikola Tesla and (laughs) all this other stuff. Like, the the Tesla Edison subplot doesn't detract from the movie. I feel like most movies, if they have these kind of complicated subplot, it would derail. And this movie is so strong, it really doesn't. It, like, Mm -hmm. plays perfectly into the overall story, which is, when we sit back and start talking about it, like, man, there's a lot going on. And, and that's what makes movies great, right? I mean, like Fast and Furious 9, Fast and Furious whatever, <laughs> tw- you know, Fast and Furious to go to space or whatever. You know, it's like, <laughs> it, it's the same, you know? And you're going to, you you know what you're getting into, right? And I feel yeah. like with this experience, you're, they're, you're not only engaged, but like you said, it's a ride. Like, you're not really sure what you're going to get out of this. And as it goes, it's like, Oh, this is going pretty deep, you know, so. Right. So definite recommendation from me. Yes. I'm glad I had the opportunity to show you this film. Like, yes. it's, yeah. it's a great movie that's often overlooked. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
it. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. And that's it for this time on Syndicate. We hope you enjoyed yourself. We've been talking about The Prestige by Christopher Nolan. Please check it out where it is available. And I'd like to take a moment to thank my guest, Todd, for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me on. It was, it was a blast. You can find Todd on his podcast, WSTR Galactic Public Access. And if you'd like to keep the conversation going, please add us at Syndicate on your favorite social media platform. That's C-I-N-E-D-I-C-A-T-E. And if you have any questions about the program or even the media that we recommend, please reach out at info at syndicate.com or visit the website, syndicate.com. And until next time, stop that scroll, spend more time watching. See ya. Bye.